So I want to use my cold open today for some (laughs) self-validation. It's less of a cold open when you refer to it as a cold open. Just FYI. Listen, I did, but because usually, usually it's like super random or like, uh, hey, I've come to the realization about X, Y, or Z. But like, sure. Only like today, I developed less confidence in something that I've been saying for a really long time. And so I want to know if it's valid. So, when I watch go really well or really poorly. I know. I know. (laughs) So when I watch a show or primarily, primarily like TV shows, like an anime or something. Sure. And it makes me laugh out loud when I'm watching by myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like that is like achievement highlighting. Yeah. Like that's like extra funny. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not weird. No. No, that that you sit up and notice, you're like, oh, that, you know, this isn't just a social laugh. This was like, this moved right? me. This moved my body to I feel like produce something, a response. If something, right. If if yeah. I have involuntarily created noise sitting by it's, myself. It's, it's, it's what LOL actually means. You're like, <laughs> I laughed out loud to this. I would like you right? to have the acknowledgement that this was funny enough. Yeah. Okay. Instead of just lol. So I'm lol. not, I'm not weird. Lol. for thinking this or feeling no. like this right okay. last night Cause... it was uh last night <laughs> i had it for uh for inside the nba the uh the uh-huh. tnt broadcast charles barkley Shaq. Oh. uh-huh hey, Dude, those, so charles charles barkley is one of my like favorite grumpy old men yeah absolutely <laughs> that i don't know because wally is my actual favorite grumpy old man he's so old <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Okay. I just like I've used that as a like one of the things, one of the reasons why someone should watch an anime that I'm watching. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but then when I was driving home from picking up lunch today, I was like, is that actual does that actually make it funny? Or am I just weird? Is that like were people saying, oh yeah, haha, out of just like awkward support? Or is that like <laughs> actually a thing I, I could see different people have different thresholds for this you know i think i think yeah. some people don't have like a difference you know mm. they're just like they react to everything at the same level it's like there's this type of of guy who i've experienced particularly in new york who has to say every thought that they have out loud they're just mm-hmm. like giving you a, a constant running commentary of what's going on inside their head. And it's maddening. <laughs> yeah. 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 The people who have just like zero brain to mouth filter. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They're, it's tough to like hang out with those people. Sometimes you just <laughs> yeah. want to just chill. And like, right. <laughs> let's just process a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Those are also the same people that talk during movies, mm, uh, and, I'm, and which hard pass. That's that's a cardinal sin in the world. This is book. this is why this is why when I when, <laughs> now uh, you remember one of the, the reasons. <laughs> this is one of the reasons why I control the tickets when when I'm going out in a group to a movie. 
So I, you, when, when you organize a, a group outing, you're like, I'm going to buy the tickets. I will distribute yeah. them as I see fit. I yeah. will distribute them. Well, I mean, so I guess I'd say one of the three reasons. One, okay, I try to seat people next to you who you naturally. can hit. Okay. I was going to say that one. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's also one of the reasons. That's the third reason. Fuck off. So, <laughs> hey, it's called hype is my superpower for a reason. You get hyped. You can't initially. control your limbs. <laughs> okay. People don't. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> um, so, okay. Initially, the, 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 one of the primary reasons or things is like, if I know two people or two couples don't know each other, they're yeah. probably going to be on the opposite sides. Sure. Like I try to seat people yeah. with like friendship referential. Sure. Like, sure. Sure. You know, proximity. And then I also try to balance who's, <laughs> who can sit next to me physically and <laughs> Hold up. who is, who do I have like, hype moments with so like you and carlos Mm -hmm. and wally are like my primary next to me's yeah yeah (laughs) but also because you guys understand that if it's really hype fists will fly (laughs) (laughs) and that and that's partially because (laughs) i can't exclaim because i'm trying not to create excess noise right and the energy has to come out somehow and so it's yeah. in the form of just <laughs> like <laughs> and then third i understand if you're yeah. someone if you're someone who doesn't know how to control their volume or mm. uh uh just talks or just like we're both at a brand new ip and you ask me who somebody is no mm-hmm. you're Five seats down. (laughs) I bought two extra seats just to give us some buffer. (laughs) I'm leaving them. Oh man. Yeah. Anyway, just but also a lot of Mm -hmm. a lot of (laughs) wifey's right outside. Mm -hmm. So remind me not to talk smack about her. But also, there's a depressing number of people in our like mutual friends groups that can't organize groups this is true yeah (laughs) you really fill a service so bad oh but i count myself (laughs) among i i have been able to do it in the past i'll tell you what really took it out of me was the pandemic just like Mm -hmm. being out Mm -hmm. of the practice of of organizing just like i was trying to get me and Rachel and one other couple, we were going to go tubing on the Delaware river. Yeah. Great time, you know, snacks, beer, whatever you're on the water for six hours and you're just hanging out. You know, this is like one of the first things that we're after the pandemic that we're planning with other people. And I just like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't just be like, Hey, this is where we're going. This is the time. Meet us here. Do this. Like, it just, I just didn't have the capacity for it anymore. It was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me, I need to start inviting people to the Eurovision party. <laughs> Thank oh you. God. Oh, God. Yeah, is that, that's coming up, huh? Three weeks. In June? Oh, it's May. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, shout it, out to you. It's Euro. actually kind of <laughs> I do, right? I do have people every once in a while pop in from Europe. And I don't small talk about Eurovision. 
Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Eurovision is if you are an American who watches Eurovision, I wouldn't even say I'm like into Eurovision the way that like uh, some of my other friends who are into Eurovision are, where they're like watching all of the like feeder competitions and they listen to all the songs beforehand. Mm. I want to go in cold. I want to just have the maximum what the fuck moment for whatever this day is going to bring me. Right. Yeah. Um, Like me and the, and, and MCU. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But when you tell a European, you know, a, a God's honest European that you watch Eurovision, you get one of two reactions, either that's awesome, which is a minority. (laughs) And the rest is why, why, <laughs> like you, the, I understand that this is this strange cultural artifact that we carry around, but you have no reason to to hang this millstone around your neck. And I'm like, that's the point. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. I will say uh, to segue into our pod, you introducing me to your vision makes it so I didn't have a dropped reference when Quicksilver was talking about how he and Wanda used to sneak into Eurovision as kids. So I was just like, I don't... With the, Before you, I'd be like, okay, I'm sh- I yeah. guess it's a concert. <laughs> <laughs> now I know still, the full spectacle. Still a missed opportunity to have European version of the Vision in Marvel Comics. Wearing his socks and sandals, Kieran Gillen. To not get on this, like yeah. D- okay, but Kieran Gillen, exists. Kieran Gillen would would write this incredibly. <laughs> you know this to be true. I do know this. To be true. Welcome everybody to Hype is My Superpower. Yeah, what are we doing? What is this? <laughs> uh, this is a podcast called Hype is My Superpower. Me, Steve Storman, best buddy, Will Freeland, opposite coasts. Hang out, talk about the things that we're hyped on, comic books especially. And we have completed our death march for the most part through yeah. the Koa era X-Men to get current so that you can read AXE. But you're not reading AXE this week. Which not I hope because I didn't read it. No, no, no. We're, We're gonna read it together. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what what did you read this week instead? <laughs> Man, in your compute in continuing quest to read every Marvel six one six trade or collected edition as it comes out. I'm gonna preface this <laughs> preface away. with Marvel is at like a dual extreme right now for me there are some titles that just are not hitting and there are some that i'm just that i'm like stoked on but like sure. i'm nervous about that's kind of standard though right i mean usually but mm-hmm. direct comparison to like the shotgun blast of krakoa level stories it's true yeah this week felt so much worse okay <laughs> than it Fair. could have been but anyway so i've got Marvel Knights make the world go away. Mm-hmm. It is my definition of a one shot, as in the sense <laughs> that it doesn't have enough. <laughs> a miniseries, a single trade paperback. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Daredevil and Electra, volume one, 
um, called The Red Fist Saga, uh, which I just, that's not, that's not something you should ever call something. Anyway, um, and then (laughs) the the second volume of Avengers Forever, which is dealing with multiversal Avengers, is written, it's, it's the side book for Jason Aaron to get ready for his Avengers-ness. Whatever he's doing out there. He's getting ready for uh, AXE 2, I I've, guess, huh? Yeah. I've pin, I think after this book, I've pinpointed where my complaint about Jason Aaron is. Okay. Yeah. Like I've, 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 I'm, I'm filling in more of my Jason Aaron theory about his approach to the comic. Yeah. The unified theory of Jason Aaron. Mm-hmm. And that's what I got. It's just the, just those three. Oh wow! So I, I'm continuing on for for new listeners. Hello, or who have who have tuned in since we've been doing the Krakoa Death March. I set a, a real quixotic goal once upon a time. Not even goal, just sickness to read every X Men comic ever published, and uh, including spinoffs, mini series, etc. And I one offs. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And so I'm in the the year 2000 and I am reading. So this is the second sort of storyline for each of the three books that Warren Ellis took over. He took over Generation X, X X-Man and X-Force. And I guess at this point he's co-writing them. He isn't the full, full on writer. He wrote the first, the first arc on each and they they're all given the sort of subheader of shockwave. So basically, there was a six month gap before he took over in all of the the X Men line, just like you know, giving giving some off time to start up some stories from a fresh spot. And all of these are kind of filling in the gaps of what happened during that six month gap. How did they get to the new status quo that was introduced in the last story arc? Okay. If that's not complicated. No. <laughs> it's comics. They're, they're not comics. <laughs> this is cool. Standard. All right. So All right. you want to start we, us off? We go into this? Do it. Yeah. All right. I, okay. There's okay. So the the cover of Marvel Knights yeah. has Daredevil, Punisher, Black Panther, and Karnak. Karnak's um, new because Marvel Knights is, you know, kind of an ongoing line for them of just kind of yeah. like your 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 dark your under mm-hmm. yeah yeah kind of like semi side story street um, level but kind of also supernatural yeah. street level badass kind of like kind of like yeah. uh like a justice league dark but like right. not as not so magic focused anyway yeah it's it's it should be anyway. Point is, Karnak yeah. isn't in this. <laughs> he's not even in the I book. I don't know why he's on the cover. <laughs> wow. So, okay. And to top it off, he's not. That's not even. That's like the cover of issue like five, huh. five or six. Anyway, point is. Uh, so this is six issues. It starts with Matt Murdock not knowing who he is. And being very confused and coming to at the grave of Karen Page. Wow. And he gets intense. <laughs> yeah. And he, but he's like, who is Karen Page? Why do I have these? Why am I blind, but I can see? Like he has 
zero memory of what's going Full on. Full amnesia, sure. Yes. And then he gets greeted by an officer of the law, Detective Frank Castle. <laughs> and he's like, so he calls him Daredevil. And he's like, who's Daredevil? He's like, you are. You don't remember. And he's just like, yeah, you can. I know you can hear my heartbeat. And you know I'm not lying. But uh, someone messed with uh, our memories. And I don't know what else to tell you. I've got the guy. I've got this guy in the back of my squad car. He told me to come and find you. And the guy in the back of his squad car is Bruce Banner, who what? equally has no idea who he is. This is six one six, though. This is this is main continuity stories here. So far as we know, at this yeah. point. I mean, yes, it is. Okay, so okay. This, okay, oh, okay, okay. oh man, you know we've had this conversation before about like the difference oh, between alternate, alternate and reality altered. and altered yeah, 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 reality. Yeah, yeah. This is uh-huh. altered reality. Sure. Situation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And because, and oh man, they use this. The difference is that at the end of it, when everything goes back to normal, the characters can still say, oh man, remember when that happened? Fuck. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Bruce Banner, uh, his whole backstory is that he he wakes up randomly, not remembering anything, and finding pieces of paper with uh, scribbled notes from from childlike notes of saying different people's names and so he's been going around trying to find people and that is that is a that's two that's a twofold reference one in immortal hulk when the hulk came out at night he would leave notes for bruce in the day um okay and so that's kind of that's the thing that they're pulling from and then also referenced in a side issue of Immortal Hulk again. Wow. When Spider-Man wiped everybody's knowledge of oh, the last time Spider-Man wiped everyone's knowledge of fucking Peter guy. Parker as Spider-Man. Yeah. He he went to go, he he was hanging out with Hulk and Hulk calls him Peter. And he's like, wait, what? And he's well, like, time to wipe some and, memories again. <laughs> and Hulk is like, didn't take uh, Hulk is like, you made Banner forget, but Hulk remembers. Mm. Um, cementing the fact that there's they're two different, right. two very different people. So this is a potential problem. <laughs> Anytime you try to do like some sort of ma- mass mind wipe, because this is the second time now that Hulk remembers everything. Kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, you, did, you haven't read it yet. You're not going to read it for a long time. Never mind. Anyway, okay. So, uh, Glob Herman is no Glob Herman is immune to psychic suggestion. Oh, cool! And like, so there was a altered reality where everyone was getting mind wiped every day. Oh, was this Age Age of X Men? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, it'll be with the exception of Glob, and yeah, that's going to be a minute. (laughs) And also, we haven't, dude. We haven't seen Glob since the New Mutants. Krakoa. Yeah, yeah, we did. He, he was he in the like early a, issues of New Mutants. He when he, yeah, he, had, he got yeah, he really angry first, like, and he like oh that's right, he got actual yeah. like mad. That's right, yeah. I totally forgot. All right, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so Bruce has a list of names that they're gonna go and try and check on, none of which are forged because he's got sorry. <laughs> he has first and last names, except for Logan that doesn't have a last name, and then yep. which just immediately makes me think of the forge so they want to go and find they've already he his first name was frank castle and then it was logan steve rogers matt murdoch electra nachios 
Tony Stark, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage. And they are being tracked by a guy with also no memory, and he has a bullseye etched on his forehead. Yeah. Who um, could that have been? Yeah, right? And then Daredevil starts to get his memories back because he's wearing his Daredevil suit um, under his business suit. And like, so like Frank, they had like a tussle and Frank like ripped open his shirt and it's like, remember? And then he's, and he like sees, he sees his suit and his memories start flashing, flooding back. It's a bad way of Frank. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. (laughs) For Frank, his memories came back when Bruce showed him a picture of a skull of his like skull insignia. It's ridiculous. Okay. I agree. I agree. But then, so like, his memories come flooding back and he's running around the street. He walks by the Fantastic Four and they're all like in there. Like Ben is, you know, big and rocky and everyone's just kind of chilling. They're like, that's weird. And it shows, it showed a reflection of them in a mirror or in a window. And Ben looks like human Ben. Mm. It's like, he's got like, it's like Rocky Ben looking at it. Lives as yeah, yeah, and it's just regular Ben. And so, like, as we're seeing more and more named heroes have had their mind wiped for some reason, and then he gets, and then Matt is like losing his mind trying to find his bearings, and he is visited by Karen Page. So that's random. Turns out Bullseye is working for Kingpin. Right, right. Turns out Daredevil or Bullseye is working for Kingpin, and Kingpin is scared of and working for Dr. Doom out, out of operating out of the Baxter building. Also, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I know. Also, Crossbones and Taskmaster are here, but they don't have any lines throughout all six issues. So. They're just there to wear wear masks just and be next bolstering to Dr. Doom. the roster. Yeah, yeah. Just be like, mm. <laughs> the second issue, they track down Electra. And she refuses to help because she's Electra. I don't know. We get a we get a quick, we get a glance at all of the names that that Hulk has written down. And he's basically just like writing everyone he can think of. So like yeah. Shanna O'Hara is she's Kazar's wife down in Shauna um, the She Devil. Yeah, yeah, down in um, uh, the Savage Land. There's just a drawing of Steve Rogers's shield. There's Rakagar Boltagon. There's <laughs> Danny Rand, Underwater City, Killmonger, oh, Hellstrom, Warren Worthington. There's a Spider Man insignia. And yeah, and so like Bruce is just thoroughly confused because he doesn't understand what's going on. Was his face Punisher before this interrogation? Because that was like a flashback interrogation thing. Um, sure. The Punisher has been having feeling like this isn't right. I'm not um, sure I shouldn't be doing this. Why <laughs> do I feel like he's got this like girlfriend, this longtime girlfriend that he lives with. And he's like, why do I feel like I'm betraying something by being happy and yada yada? Mm, like, okay. Sure. Okay. They go to try to get Electra. Electra fights back and then Daredevil and then Matt shows up in his Daredevil costume and he's like, guys, we gotta um we're supposed to like work together and and like just like wait like the four of us uh talking about daredevil so it's daredevil punisher and electra standing there and she's like the four of us and he's like what do you mean what about her and points to karen page and like but you can see her too huh. because he thought she was like a ghost or an angel or something huh. because then 
Hulk busts out of the squad car and punches at Karen Page and punches right through her. Like, there's... Okay. Throughout all... Interesting. There's zero explanation of what Karen Page is. Sure. At all. Okay. (laughs) But anyway, point is, they've all established that somebody has altered everyone's memories and they got to figure out what it is. They got to figure out. Sure. What, uh, and, and they've got an inkling that it's a machine. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, that's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a solid lead. I know. Right. And so because of that machine, they go to find, because it's a machine, they go to, they go to find Tony Stark, who is an inmate at Rikers. <laughs> oh, He's the best-selling author of 946 pages of toilet paper called Extremist Tools for Nano-Managing Your Life, currently <laughs> serving serving a 252-year sentence for embezzlement, insider trading, and conspiracy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they turned Tony Stark into an MLM guy, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And so that doesn't that doesn't go well. And then Frank Castle's partner on the squad they're hunt they're chasing down some fragrant homeless person is donald blake who is the mm-hmm. human name for thor right um they're chasing down loki and loki remembers and his, and loki's text is the asgardian text oh like his lettering and his speech bubbles yeah yeah He's like, I'm trying to make this guy remember. And he's like, nah, <laughs> leave it on. Then he disappears. It's a bunch of random hole blue. And then they they okay. want to go and find Wanda. Wanda Scarlet okay. Witch. And she is this really like creepy gypsy soothsayer, fortune teller, cult leader lady. <laughs> in that, this like random that's cabin. a slur we should we, we that's a slur we should Gypsies a slur. yeah 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 roma my bad a wandering people yeah tribe <laughs> member <laughs> uh, but like she's just like she's out in the boonies like on on this uh yeah this random cabin and billy and tommy are there in in uniform with her and everyone in the village like worships her and she sees the truth behind Frank and all. And then he's like, oh, you have a troubled spirit and this, that, yeah. and the other. And then they're like, okay, let's find this last last name. I hope I can pronounce it right. T'Challa. Okay. <laughs> because apparently he's in New York. Anyway, so the fourth issue starts with a flashback intro to the machine that Bob Reynolds, the Sentry, used to make the world forget about him and the Void. Oh, okay. Yeah, throwback. Been a minute, Bob Reynolds. Basically, Reed. So Reed made it back in the day. Sure. Um, for Bob, and there's this conversation between Reed and T'Challa. He's just like, "This machine rewrote history. In essence, erased the Sentry and the Void from existence. If you can do, if it can do what you say, Reed, why have you not destroyed it?" He says, "There is a reason the machine was created, T'Challa. It saved us, all of us, from annihilation. We may need it again someday. Until then, it must be kept out of the wrong hands. I called you here because there is only one place I can think of that is secure enough to store something so vulnerable and dangerous." Only one people who can keep it safe. It's like, okay, well, that didn't work. The Inhumans. Um, so then we get other names that are around. Steve Rogers is an old man for some reason in this altered reality. And he's uh, wheelchair ridden. 
and wheelchair bound. And mm-hmm. uh, Sam Wilson is taking him around places and taking care of him. T'Challa is going around fighting cops because they were racially profiling some of uh, a young black man on the subway. Fuck yeah. Um, and then he gets he gets tased by one of the one of the cops and that starts to jog his memory and he's getting flashbacks and then while he's passed out the spirits of past black panthers watch out or reach out to him and they're mm-hmm. like hey you, you you are what the hell are you doing you have a purpose <laughs> there's a thing um, going on here so here's here's kind of what i'm <laughs> what what i'm thinking here is is this all so if this is an altered reality there's a certain point at which Marvel universe kind of falls apart without these characters. I mean, like structurally, right. like if none of these people are who they are, then like you have to, you have to dig deep to remove Tony Stark from yeah. the history of the Marvel universe. You have to, you have to really like get in there, you know? And so, yeah, there, some like, <laughs> Arguably, if you write out someone like Daredevil or Punisher, fine. <laughs> right. But if you're writing out the king of Wakanda, if you're writing <laughs> yeah, exactly. Out, if you're writing like, out, like it's so, 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 yeah. So this is this is what what made me think of it. Like, you know, are you writing out the entire nation of Wakanda? Do, mm. Does nobody, you know, like what what's the, you know, n- not that I need everything to have an explanation. It's just like. When you take on a logistical problem like this, you 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 bring some <laughs> a certain yeah. amount of of questions like this on yourself. I agree. It's not whoever did it was not thinking entirely. Was, didn't care. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not every story has to be that. I'm just it it does raise these questions. Absolutely. And so the fifth issue is the assault on the Baxter building. You find out that, so T'Challa is working on his own to infiltrate the Baxter building. At the same time, Daredevil, Elektra, Punisher, and Ghost of Karen Page and Hulk are also infiltrating, are assaulting. Mm -hmm. T'Challa comes across the the room of the bad guys sitting around playing poker at a table. (laughs) Bad guys being Tombstone, Jigsaw, Taskmaster, and Crossbones. Wow, okay. Um, <laughs> really filling it out. Between the four of them, they have a total of five speech bubbles. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and they all, they would, well, okay, T'Challa had the upper hand and then Tombstone lifted him up and he was about to like bane Batman back break him. That's a yeah, lot of yeah. these. Um, <laughs> alliteration is awesome. <laughs> uh, and then that's yeah. when Hulk busts through the wall and they're doing that team up and they all, you know, they beat all the bad guys off screen because they switch over sure. to Doom and Kingpin and Doom is like, well, time to run. And Kingpin's like, you don't run. You, 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 you're supposed to be a good leader. You're not supposed to run. And he's like, this isn't a retreat. This is a tactical removal from the field or some... This is for retreat. <laughs> this is a good difference between Kingpin and Doom. Yeah. Kingpin Kingpin knows when he's beat, but he'll he he's invested himself too far and so he can he can mm-hmm. actually get got. Doom never gets got because even he <laughs> when he knows he's beat, he's like, "All right, I I got something else I could be doing here." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And at 
And I feel like Doom will Doom never overextend himself. No, right. Do, 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 it's weird to say that Doom is humble, but like <laughs> Doom is realistic, I guess. It's it's almost like his pride is is so great that he doesn't even consider it a failure. He's like, I've got a better plan than this. <laughs> you know, this was worth right. a shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to, to that exact point, but when they get to the roof, Kingpin says, I still don't understand if they're coming for the machine because they remember, why don't you just turn it on again and make them forget? Because <laughs> duh. Yeah. And Doom says, Doom does not need to explain himself to a man uh, right. as yourself. Yeah. And, and Kingpin snaps and um hits him in the back and then it's like how how long how long do you think i would let you insult me victor how long do you think this would go unanswered and uh-huh. Doom's basically like more or less this long <laughs> yeah, it's like i insult you by simply pointing out you are a man of no inherent worth your very existence is, a, is an insult the self-proclaimed kingpin of a small section of this vile city doom is a king <laughs> It's like damn, yeah, um, dude. But anyway, he's 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 doing blasts at him, and and Kingpin, being the walking tank that he is, just uh-huh. takes it and keeps on advancing towards him, nice. um, grasping his hand so he can't shoot anymore. Has a whole monologue, lifts, uh, holds him by his throat out over the Baxter building, and let's go. Damn. Um, yeah, and then it turns out that was a Doom bot anyway. Of course, yeah, um, because Doom. Um, <laughs> Doom does not uh, get then, overexposed. <laughs> Seriously. And then everyone uh, starts fighting each other because T'Challa remembers um, that Elektra is a bad girl and Punisher is... He he remembers Punisher as being the reason why they forgot. And so, so he's mad at Punisher. So they have their little superhero mini civil war until the end of the fifth issue. And then we go into the last issue where everything is coming together. You find out that it was a doom bot. The heroes decide to team up. The ghost of Karen page is like, okay guys, let's do this. Let's, let's get through the door. Cause the, Oh gosh, there's a, uh, uh, the, the machine is guarded by a golden dragon. So get ready to fight the golden dragon. And I've been spending this entire time trying to figure out metaphorically <laughs> who's a golden dragon for this. It's a literal movie. ass golden dragon. It's Sentry. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And so Sentry shows up and he's just like, guys, stop. <laughs> well, at first he says hi. And they're like, you're Robert Reynolds, the Sentry. I remember you. He's like, okay, that's close enough. I've sworn north to protect this machine. I do not age. I do not sleep. I do not require food or water or air. I am simply put the most powerful being in existence, and I will keep my oath until the sun explodes in the sky. He's like, why? Who have you sworn north to? We don't understand. Because he has uh, the power point. of a thousand exploding suns. Right? And he says, ah, this part then. Okay, let me show you. And he clicks a button on the on the machine, and it shows a recording of a devastated New York and a Matt Murdock walking up and saying, this is the world to come. I know this must be confusing, but you're going to have to trust me on this, Matthew. I'm asking you to have some faith. We received a vision of the future, this vision. This is the world we create. This is the legacy we leave behind unless we turn it all off. You see, Matt, what you all do, what you all do not understand, what you have never understood is that we didn't just turn off the good. We turned off the bad too. We beget them, you know, 
the bad. Our pres our presence as miracles and marvels, we create our own shadows. We escalate, we wage wars, we did, we die, we come back, <laughs> event after event after event. Enough. It has to end, <laughs> not for us, but for them. And, and then so, Marvel stopped publishing comics forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the argument. And they're like, nah, nah, I, nah, that's that's yeah. we'll just stop it from happening. And Bob right. uh, reveals he's like guys, this is the seventh time we've had this conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> and then Punisher's like, all right, well. And then he shoots shoots Bruce, which turns him into the Hulk. And then the Hulk okay. fights Sentry and removes him from the room, which gives okay. them a chance to click the machine and undo everything. And then we come back to a world of Marvels. And there's a small conversation between Elektra and Daredevil at the end. Elektra went and checked in with everyone else, said Frank is in denial, Bruce is in hiding, T'Challa's in Wakanda, so who knows? For better or worse, all is as it was. But this is the vision, the future, the world to come. I know it haunts me too. So what do we do? How do we do? How do we keep keep doing this, knowing what's coming? Uh, these people look up to us. How do we pretend to be this thing they think we are? I don't understand why Elektra's the one asking these things. <laughs> We do, <laughs> Matt says we do our best, like we always do. Every minute of every single day, we keep our eyes open. Now more than ever, we look up to that. We look up to them. And we try like hell to be worthy of this world for as long as it lasts at the end. And it's just, there you go. Okay. And, and I was like, <laughs> hey, look at that. Marvel <laughs> makes comics. The fact, the, the point, the it's it's funny because the future that they showed had like yeah. pieces of every building missing and that's it. Like, it's not even like an actual <laughs> wasteland. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like compared to the other invasions that they've had, <laughs> the way that they do dystopias in Marvel is so funny. Like it, that's almost better. Like the pieces of every single building missing is such a trope. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And you compare that to like, I don't know. I, I'm thinking, I think it's in like, I forget which I read one recently in, in the, in the, you know, 90s slash 2000s Marvel or X-Men where it's just like every single building in New York is perpetually on fire. And it's just like, <laughs> Oh yeah. That thing that happened, you know, five years ago or whatever, <laughs> everything's still on fire. No one turned gas off to the buildings. So <laughs> we're just, we're just literally burning through money right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I don't know what the point of that story was. And I don't know why Karnak was on the cover. (laughs) (laughs) The greatest mystery of all. The closest to Karnak we got was a reference to Blackguard Boltagon on a scribbled piece of paper. (laughs) When you said the one, you know, people who could keep this machine, you know, safe or whatever, I assumed Inhumans. Oh, that would have been nice. That would have been a good segue. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's, uh, it just sounds like it sounds like a I mean, I don't know why it was a Marvel Knights story. It sounds yeah. like just kind of like a generic superhero story. It's you know what this sounds like? This sounds like they got a new creator or somebody who usually doesn't work in comics or in superhero comics to write a story. And they're like, "Ooh, I'm going to write about why I love superheroes. That's a good thought. Oh, well, it's written by Donnie Cates, so. Okay. He writes a lot of comics. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's what it is. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so Marvel Knights. Marvel Knights, it's a thing. Next up is Daredevil and Electra. Yeah. The Red Fist saga. So this is just written. <laughs> you chose the wrong day, man. Wait a week. I know. So this is written. By Zdarsky. So this is him taking up okay. his own sequel, basically. Yeah, because Zdarsky has been writing Daredevil. Yeah. And Ele- and the Electra series also. Um, um, yeah. Or the Daredevil Woman Without Fear series, which is Electra. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so th- all of those circles closing in order to... Because uh, <sighs> Electra came across an ancient script that describes the fist, which is supposed to be what takes out the hand. Right. And that is from the very beginning, Electra and Daredevil's thing is right. being Taking somehow related to the hand. And so in order to, to do the fist, according to the rituals, there has to be a king and queen of the fist. Um, this is just a... <laughs> <laughs> no, keep going. I'm just gonna laugh at all the inappropriate times. Yeah, yeah. The jokes so, do just write themselves. Yeah. Zdarsky is he's a humor writer. I mean, we're no, this is just another issue of sex criminals, right? Basically, right? So, well, okay. So it's so all of that. That's all the preface. Um, yeah, it starts with do you? Okay, do you remember the one side character that I thought was nothing that got it? That probably it was, not. No offense. I know. No, this guy Goldie. He went to law school with Matt. Oh, and- Goldie. No, I'm, I'm fucking with you. I don't know. Yeah. No, he went yeah. to, so he went to law school with Matt and ha- and Foggy. Um, yeah. and he knows Electra. I would give you his real name in quite a second. Um <laughs> so <laughs> it's Goldigar Goltagon. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so <laughs> Goldie just it turns out there's more to him than me. Yeah, because no character introduced in Daredevil that's that's not a love interest right. can be just a regular story. No. So it starts with this like series of events that he drops a marble when walking down the street, which makes a guy tri- trip and let his newspaper go flying, which throws off a guy who's driving and he ends up crashing into a bike rider, but it also saves this little girl that ran out into the street when she let go of her mom's hand. So he's, he's butterfly effect, man. He is Mr. Butterfly effect. Okay. And throughout the book, throughout these five issues for his like subplot, it's basically him understanding and that he affects outcomes and it's all been, a voice that's telling him what to do. And the voice became, gets louder whenever Matt Murdock is involved. Huh. And okay. when he, and so this has been nothing that he's heard through his entire life. 
And when he got to law school, he saw Matt and he actually saw like golden wings and golden horns wow. <laughs> coming out of Matt. And so he's been just obsessed with Matt. And he goes and openly admits that he has been putting things in motion throughout his entire life to make Matt the best superhero possible. Huh. He calls himself his guardian angel for Matt. Okay. Yeah. And it's it's a bunch a little, of... A little stalkerish. <laughs> yeah. It's a bunch of small things. Like he bumps into a guy who was behind him in a coffee line and he took his time to order his coffee to make the guy irritated and then bumped into him as he left, which made him even more agitated. And so, which made him... <laughs> cross paths with this old man at just the right pace that it made him spill his coffee and he got super mad and started yelling at him and the old man who was already on edge because he had a gun he was going to go kill his boss decides to kill this guy instead and shoots him which the shot rings out so that daredevil hears and daredevil goes and deals with that instead of making it to say goodbye to his girlfriend who's leaving on the train. Sure. Um, and okay. Goldie says that like he, this, that loss is going to help, help you okay. become a uh, stronger, more dedicated superhero. Stuff like that. <laughs> to the point where the guy that made the bond, he talked about how a week ago he nudged this guy that ended up going to the library and looking and impulsively looking up how to make a bomb and then he made a bomb and it's on that train like okay these little sure. things yeah like, so don't. he's 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 not even like helping with the mission so much as in, increasing daredevil's like profile and notoriety right. yeah he's not making the world a better a safer place he's just trying to like he's just being a fanboy right he's he's like it's it's odd. <laughs> sure. But yeah, he's he's basically talking about all these different things that he's put into place, whether it's immediate or long-term, that will help Matt become greater, the best superhero. Sure. To okay. the point where all the way back when in college, when he was first figuring out if he's going to be Daredevil, Elektra and her dad uh, were kidnapped by some terrorists or whatever. But Electra, this was all put together by Electra because she was scouting Matt to join the hand at the time. Okay. While the fight ensued, someone in the crowd, while SWAT was outside, someone in the crowd said, they're killing the hostages because one of the guys got pushed out the window. And by one of the guys, I mean one of the terrorist kidnapper guys. Sure. They said, yeah. they're killing the hostages. And then the dad had stood up and ends up getting shot by the police down on the ground. Um, And that ended up, and that's what stopped the entire situation. And that, that got Electra to lose focus on, on getting Matt to join the hand and her focus on her own personal revenge plot. And then, but it also boosted Matt's focus on being better at what he does. So people wouldn't die. And turns out that, the person that said they're shooting, killing the hostages is Goldie in the crowd. Right. So it's just, yeah, 
so all those kinds of things. And then, so the rest of these issues are Matt going around, making the rounds and trying to, well, okay. So with Spider-Man, he tells him he has, he does, he does a quick tour of Hell's Kitchen with Spider-Man to let the bad guys and the gangsters know that they are still being watched. And so Spider-Man is going to help keep an eye on Hell's Kitchen while he's away. But then everyone else he goes and talks to are people that he's trying to recruit to help to join his little like fist army. (laughs) His farmy. Um, (laughs) I just, I'm um, just going to keep with the jokes writing themselves and, and, and just keep, keep my distance. Yeah. Yeah. So he recruits uh, detective Cole, who was introduced in Zdarsky's uh, daredevil run. Who's like the transfer good cop. TOGC. To weed out all the bad cops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. TOGC, the one good cop. Yes. So he so recruits it's a, him. It's a trope, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a trope yeah. that I've named myself. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's the Jim <laughs> Gordon story, basically. Right, right, um, right. Yeah. So I always wanted uh, to at a protest, like you get you get the one good cop who's like, hey, you know, like we're on your side here. Just want to make sure that blah blah blah. And just be like TOGC. We finally met you, man. You're the one they make all the movies, the TV shows about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he recruits the TOGC to to join him. And then he goes to try to recruit Luke Cage, who was recently just voted as mayor of New York. Um, Yeah. And and Dedo was like, come on. Like, you got... You got, you got, you got the win. You made your statement. Kingpin's uh, on the run. Like, let somebody else do it. Come and join me and do this like fist thing. <laughs> Wish Luke Cage and, was the the mayor of New York. I know, right? If, if you're, <laughs> yeah. And Cage is like, He's, nah. Like, I have so much more I can do here. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. In fact, I'm on my I'm way at work. to go. Yeah. yeah. He's like, in fact, I'm on my way to go meet some people right now. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, it's weird people. They're the storm winds. And Daredevil's like, oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. Don't do it. Don't do it. They're terrible people. He's like, dude, it's fine. Like, I'm going to go meet him. So, so, so Luke goes and meets the storm winds. You remember the storm winds, right? It sounds Nazi. It just sounds like a Nazi-ass name. No, they're not the Fenris. So they are, okay. uh, they're the super rich, I control everything brother and sister um, uh, that okay. were stringing uh, Kingpin along, string Wilson along, um, okay. and basically <laughs> controlling them. Not the, not the Nazi int- incest twins, the different incest twins. I don't <laughs> yeah. know if they're actually um, incestual. No, the they're Fenris not. They definitely don't, is. They okay. don't like... They don't like physical contact with with anyone. That's like kind of their things. Just the the, okay. the, the rest of the world is dirty. Mm. But yeah, so like they sounds like some control, Nazi shit, man. The, yeah. You know the impurities, <laughs> the cleanliness of the world. They control anything and everything uh, with their money and their influence. Um, mm-hmm. And so they brought Luke Cage in as the next mayor just to be like introduce themselves and be like, listen. We control you. We run this thing. Yeah. 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 And Cage is like, no, that's mm-hmm. not what's going to happen here. Uh, really cool meeting, honestly. Yeah. They bring him into this like 
danger room hologram room. Okay. And there's a big ass office table and there's a, and the sister shows that there's like, there's like a force field between the two of them. Um, okay. Because the last time they met with someone was at the end of Zadarsky's Daredevil run when he met with Kingpin right. and Kingpin Kingpin. laid his hand on the brother. Right. And yeah. like, um, um, I remember this. Broke his broke his arm and then killed all of the like elite officers that they had. And then his son Butch was there, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Butch, tell them that uh, I died here. Say that you did this, and sure. like use that to solidify your position as the new kingpin." So, right. uh, his son is currently the new kingpin of crime. Wilson's on the run in hiding. And the storm winds are just back to their rinse and repeat usual ways. Yeah. Anyway, so the sister turns on a hologram. She's like, we want to show you what we own. And it's a picture. <laughs> and they do a hologram of the earth from the moon. <laughs> like, this is ours. <laughs> you need to understand this. Uh, <laughs> it's like, we made, we made the mistake with your predecessor of not stressing how powerful we really are. And Luke is like, is that why you built this where your old fist tower used to be? Flexing on the missing man. She's like, no, we're done with the past. We're concentrating on the present and the future by meeting the mayor who works for us presently. If a law doesn't suit us, we'll just change it. And if if you get in our way, we'll... And he says, before you finish that sentence, I'm <laughs> going to give you one chance. If the next words out of your mouth threaten me or my family, I don't care that I'm mayor. I will put you in the hospital. Best your money can buy. (laughs) (laughs) And then she says, "Mm, good luck with that, Mr. Mayor. And that's when she shows the like force field or whatever. It's like, but we would never dream of threatening your beautiful daughter, Danielle, or your new son, Joseph, as uh, revealed in Omega's reign or Devil's reign, Omega number one. We're not. And then he uh, stops her by complete, by subtly punching and completely destroying the half of the table that's on his side of the um, force field. Uh-huh. And he says, I'm not Fisk. I'm actual power. And I have friends with magic hammers. <laughs> You'll find my proposal in, in what's left of your table. Talk to <laughs> And he walks out and the brother's like, you'll never get to us. Do you hear me? We'll destroy you. And you'll never lay a finger on us. No one ever will again. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's traumatized. He's like, still has bruises on his face from okay. this. And then, and then Luke just like calmly walks out. Thanks to the assistant for the time. And, uh, and pieces out. That's how you do like, it. Yeah. Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> hell yes. I'm That's so how you take a meet. I'm gonna. Oh. I'm gonna have to remember this next time. Right. You know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, damn it. So cool. The last character cameo that matters to any degree is um, Akka visits Daredevil. Akka was introduced in Electra Daredevil. She is the one that trained Electra after Stick. She's okay. the one from the hand that trained her. Yeah. And she still looks like a little child. Mm. Uh, so there's something weird, handy about her. And even with Matt's radar sense, he couldn't pick her up and figure out where she was, could not track her. Okay. Um, except for the times that she let him. Okay. And she basically was just like, I know what you're doing. It's not going to work. That's pretty cool. You know, like, yeah, uh, I'm, I am Akka, hear me roar. Also, sure. Akka uh, is Japanese for red. So, of course, her name's Akka. And, of course, she's with the hand. Oh, yeah. So, there's that. 
Anyway, she has this whole monologue about like how the fist, <laughs> what did she say? The fist fits into the hand. <laughs> and to get there, you just need to suffer unbelievable loss. And she does the, the whole like, the, like ninja fucking thing. It's like, okay, sure. All right. All right. You know, you guys do whatever you need to. And then, so <laughs> because of the insufferable loss, Matt freaks out and is like, okay, well, I guess I'm bringing Foggy with me. So all the while, Electra's been scouting out a place to um, make their new base. And it's this place in, it's an island or somewhere. In, it doesn't matter. It's in Russia. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, it's a contested zone in Russia. And okay. They make their like Ukraine side contested zone or like Georgia side contested zone. Never mind. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I could fucking tell you. No, no, no. Let's let's move no, on. No, you asked. Let's move on. No, no, no. God damn it. Fucking I said it didn't matter, but you, you wanted to know. I I was just trying to flex on my knowledge of geography. I'm I'm just being a nerd. <laughs> I don't actually care. Well, it's an island with mountains. Okay. And uninhabited, it's uninhabited. Ownerships bounced back and forth between Japan and Russia over the past couple of centuries. Oh, okay. Um, with Russia holding claims since World War II, highly contested, obviously. Sure. Okay. So there you go. Thank you. There we go. You're you're so welcome. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we have this we have this base. Stick is there and and Matt's like, why? And and she's like, we need him. And he's like, okay. So <laughs> I love how everybody hates Stick. They're just like, I know. <laughs> so Does they bring, he, do you like, think do you think Stick smells bad? And like Matt's incredibly sensitive nose just like can't handle it. <laughs> that would be actually kind of funny. <laughs> what I do, what I do now that we've established that Zdarsky's a like funny writer. Yeah. There's going to be a joke about a stick in the mud somewhere at some point. And you've brought this out of me. I hope you're proud of yourself. No, you can't blame me for puns. You can blame me for everything else, but you cannot blame me for puns. Fine. Fine. Anyway, there's going to be a stick in the mud joke at some point. And sure. I'm not here for it. That's um, fair. Anyway, so he's, he gets foggy. He gets coal. They go to their base and then they do their ritual, which is... <laughs> which is Electra and Daredevil going and fighting a bunch of demon ghosts of hand past. And as long as they kill them all, then the ceremony is complete and they become king and queen, husband and wife of the fist. Okay. <laughs> it's just <laughs> an excuse to have a handful of pages of Daredevil and Electra fighting a bunch of different armed ninja-like people <laughs> sure in different sets of armor and stuff and then after they completed that ritual everyone who lives at the compound gets powers or like gets stronger and so like including foggy who's now like jumping like 20 feet in the air and just having a grand time and okay. he's like this is so much fun um so people have been enhanced now Oh, and then Akka also told Matt that the Hand have a new leader, and he's insane, and his name is Frank Castle. So okay. this takes place oh, wow. before the cliffhanger ending of the first volume of Jason Aaron's Punisher. Sure. So this is, I think, leading up to that, though. Right. Um, okay. Because at the end of 
Punisher Daredevil shows up and he's like, Frank, what the hell are you doing? Right. So now we know how he found out. Right. <laughs> Frank is doing this. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. It's it's a giant setup volume. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Avengers Forever, volume two. It's six issues plus Avengers Forever Infinity Comic one through four, which was one, which amounts to one issue of the yeah. story of Thor. <sighs> okay. So these six issues are more reality hopping going around that's that's so hard to talk about seriously so um, (laughs) yeah you're struggling here i know okay so jason so jason aaron's approach to avengers right yeah yeah let's go for the you want to start with the unified theory of jason aaron here so the unified theory of jason aaron is that whenever he's given a title he has to the 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 antagonist that he puts together or that he has the you know the title character go up against that's the, the pure idea and, of the character yeah, the pure antithesis of the character yeah and this is not a new approach you know like not entirely no like batman and joker right like batman mm-hmm. stands for order joker stands for right. pure chaos or yeah, like so jason aaron's approach to batman would be to introduce the joker just joke, just nonstop jokers, or or and then you do like you know something else to to do like the antithesis of like well he attacks in the night let's have daytime man or like you know <laughs> mm-hmm. just just like yeah right so frame of reference like when he did Thor he did Gore the God Butcher right like, the concept of yeah. the character attacking the concept of do we even need gods right. uh, when you have when he w- had dr strange it was the empirical who are attacking the concept of getting rid of all of magic in reality right <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> these are so uh, uh and then you know to go further back and, and it's also not the a X-Men, bad the concept like, of x-men being students and yeah like, the, the and school and itself that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's not so, a bad. It's not a bad approach to be like. Let's not a strip this down to core concept and do Avengers. Mm-hmm. Because he has to do something new, right? So you have so, to do the concept of protecting the world, which is, I mean, kind of like what's what the core concept of Avengers is the least interesting part of Avengers. <laughs> yeah. So, like. like <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's it worked for a bit, but now that he's coming to the like zenith of his story, uh-huh. it's starting to fall apart. Okay, the first like six, first six or seven volumes of Avengers were a lot of fun because it was the Avengers team going up against other perspectives of Avengers, like with right. Defenders of the Deep, the Winter Guard. The yeah. Squatch and Supreme, like yeah. it was, it was different teams of Avengers with a different priority, and yep. that that worked, and that was cool. But now, yeah. now, <laughs> now he's like, okay, well, now what's 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 the big why? And okay. so he has been spending this entire time doing the legacy powers and the Avengers, you know, Avengers BC, one million BC, and like making that be a thing. Yeah, fine, whatever, like. It was it was fun. It wasn't amazing, but it was fun. Sure. And then so he's like, How do I go bigger with the Avengers? <laughs> what if we did Omniversal Avengers? 
Right. <laughs> and so in order to do that, he needs an omniversal uh, Masters of Evil. <laughs> and right. so that's when he just spins two wheels <laughs> and takes two characters and mashes them together. That's yeah. how you get the Green Goblin and Ghost Rider blended into one. That's yeah, how you, you, get, get, <laughs> you get the, the random character get, generator, which is just a state. Yeah. yeah. Killmonger wearing the Destroyer armor. <laughs> oh uh, Red Skull and the Null symbiote. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's, Fine, whatever. But then, but it starts of, to erode the individuality of any of these characters right. on their own. Yeah, and so now that you have multiversal masters of evil, you are now you. He's introduced the this no shadow character named Avenger Prime, putting together. Oh my god! The multiversal Avengers, and so Avengers Forever. This title has been. That story of going around, excuse me, going around the different realities and recruiting different, the the people, the Avengers from those realities that need to be recruited, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so, then, first volume is also where we got a deeper dive into the antagonists, like the the doom of all dooms and (laughs) all that other stuff. And... In reading this, I have pinpointed the weakness of Aaron's approach. And a lot of it has to do with his writing. Mm. Like, he has huge ideas. Just simply words on page writing. Mm -hmm. The the grammar that he ends up choosing and the dialogue that gets used Mm. does not carry the weight of the scale of the story he's trying to tell. And that's what I think the major disconnect is. Interesting. As a reference. in So each issue is a recruitment story for one of the Omniversal Avenger types. And they they go into... And so basically like the T'Challa story, the Thor story, the Captain America story, each uh, and the Carol Danvers story. The Thor story has a Thor that was... That became unworthy of Mjolnir at the end. So uh, this is on Earth 56337. And the Earth 8675309 Omniversal <laughs> Jenny answers yes. the call. Yeah. <laughs> the the multiversal masters of evil have already destroyed this reality. They've already come and done their killings and moved on. Sure. And ever since then, because so the multiversal Avengers, they've been going to the legacy powers in the in million BC and killing the idea of the Avengers from the, sure. the beginning of those Earths, and which so, is since again, then, that's just silly. It, because it is. core concept of <laughs> Avengers isn't something that like is difficult to come up with. That and Captain America didn't have a legacy power in in one million BC, and yet somehow you decide that Steve Rogers is an Avengers core, even though he wasn't even a founding Avenger. So like, BC. there's there's yeah. so many things. Yeah, <laughs> but point is, Thor becomes unworthy of Mjolnir, but it keeps on following him around, and there's a scene of him trying to lift. Mjolnir, he's in the Himalayas. Yeah. And it's and he just says the Thor of Earth 56337 five, five, strained to lift the enchanted hammer that was meant to be his, the hammer that should have carried his 
him between realms, between glories unimaginable. And this is where it fails me. It says, he strained and failed for perhaps the 5,000th time. Like, perhaps, yeah. like, give, if you're going, if that... <laughs> This is a story. His story has been going on for sure. millennia, as we see in the next page. But like for you to say perhaps the five thousandth time, just like, do you care about the story at all? Mm. Like it, it it when you say something like or about, it it makes it yeah, it, it makes it casual and not like epic. Sure. And yeah. you're trying to to tell the most epic of Avengers stories <laughs> by yeah, yeah. joining all of the Avengers from all of the realities. Right. There, there should be some gravitas to what you're saying here. Yeah. And all of his dialogue is just so casual that like it's not it's not portraying the weight that someone like a Hickman or or even like a Neil Gaiman or someone like that has better dialogue could yeah. have put here. And that I think is where it starts to really fall because that's what people take away from his stories mm. is how did it read? Yeah. Not a lot of people sit there and be like, well, what did it mean? <laughs> right. You know, and, and that's where Aaron shines is the, the idea behind what he's telling. Right. And not what he's actually telling. Mm. And I think that's where it really falls apart here. Mm. Interesting. So to the first issue, it's um, a T'Challa. And this T'Challa in this reality is Superman. Huh, okay. When his when his planet was being destroyed by the multiversal masters of evil, his parents in Wakanda put fit him in a vibranium rocket and sent him flying into the cosmos. Oh my um, God. He's, he's, <laughs> he started stapling together characters that aren't even Marvel characters. Yeah, but then on top, so and then as he grew older, he used his he used the vibranium ship and turned it into a a suit for himself. Okay, and he's been deemed he's been called the Sky Spider because he catches people in vibranium webs. I don't. It doesn't make sense. So but, he's Spider Man and and Superman and also uh, Black Panther. It just like, uh huh. Oh, Come I'm on, with dude. you. Come on. <laughs> but yeah. And so these are, oh, I guess I'm sorry. It's not the multiversal Masters of Evil. It's just King Killmonger in sure. his destroyer armor that's going around doing this. Anyway, um, launches, launches T'Challa into the fiery core of a planet and his... His armor wraps around his body and he survives. And then he starts trying to follow the uh, path of destruction that Killmonger has left. He's been he's upgraded. He's older, still wearing the same vibranium suit, but he's stronger. Apparently goes to fight Killmonger in his destroyer armor. He loses and gets thrown into a star. And then uh, three days later. All Rider, Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider, Tony Stark, Ant-Man, and Deathlock My have God. been going around and doing their uh, recruitment drive for uh, Avengers Forever. And they drive through into the sun to recruit him out. And he comes out, <laughs> he comes out even stronger. And he's known as the Star Panther now. 
Okay, so he's also Starbrand in addition to Superman, Spider-Man, and Black Panther. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's the last Wakandan. So, anyway. I, I, that, so, less Starbrand, I think more just Superman. Sure. But yeah, he's Super Spider-Man. But he also doesn't... He has. I don't think he's got the webs anymore. So it's like just about, it's like it was Superman cosplaying as Spider-Man for a little bit until sure. he his true potential. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was amazing. And then, so the second issue is the recruitment of Steve Rogers and okay. So that's fine. Okay. <laughs> this has a circular cell of five cells and different Steve Rogerses from different realities. realities yeah. And once a day, this big door opens and one guy has been charging in to try to get out. One of the Steves is a dog. He's been charging in to try to get out. And then- <laughs> Sorry, you just, you just dropped that so casual. <laughs> um, yeah, I did. Uh, I can't with uh, this, man. It's just like... It's, it's hard. It's a hard sell, dude. It, it's it, a really hard sell. It, it's just such a... like. I'm okay with things being like tonally inconsistent or like the having some like levity in the middle of, of, you know, like epicness, but when the epicness is straining to the point of ridiculousness, and then you add an element of like pure comedic ridiculousness on top of it, it just makes me think like, Oh, so this whole thing's a joke. Yeah. Well, for what it's worth, he doesn't, he's, he's, he doesn't talk like Cosmo or anything. He's just an actual dog. He's just an actual he dog. Comes from, he comes he's from a comes from the where, dogiverse. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because humans are in zoos in his planet. And he's and he says how he's never been uh, one of the other Steves like has some sort of connection to him. I don't know, but they yeah. needed some way to translate what he's saying without actually giving him a voice. But um he tells one of the Steves that this is the closest he's been to bipedal creatures uh outside of a zoo and it's like okay well all right cool <laughs> whatever whatever i hope we don't go to your world but anyway that big door opens once a day and there's a treadmill i mean and- or we do when it's a comedy and and we're just sure. okay with this being sure. a comedy but like it sure. doesn't seem like that's compatible with the rest of the story you're trying to tell here yeah one of the steves is like i don't want to say hippie steve but he has like a bandana and he's got He's got the classic hippie look, the long ponytail. Yeah, sure. Hippie. On day two. So day one, he gets knocked back. On day two, he screams. His his rally cry is death to the military industrial complex. And then okay. it's I'm, I'm a, comes back. I'm a, fa- I'm a fan of this. I'm a fan yeah, of this, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> and on day three, he says, my name is Steve Rogers and I'm a political prisoner because I refuse to take part in your illegal war. You fascists will not break me. And then he goes, okay, I'm no longer a Um, fan of this, Steve. Come on. (laughs) By day 11, one of the, the nerdy Steve tries joining him and they get knocked out. And then by day 14, the dog Steve goes with him. Day 17, no, day 20, big fat Steve joins in. And then day Day 33, the last Steve um, joins, and he's a giant nuke Weapon X Steve. He's got Wolverine claws, and he's got a nuke tattoo. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, 
<laughs> well, it's just I'll like wait. can can no character just be cool on their own? I want to see Rogers. So anyway, the whole point was to get them to inspire themselves to do and be more. And then they get to the room and they and a shield gets thrown at each one. They each grab the shields, including the dog. And <laughs> uh, and then it shows the five Steves that threw them at him. And they're like, good job getting through that. So you have a U.S. agent Steve. You have an yeah. American knight Steve. You have werewolf yeah. Steve. You have cartoon Steve. And you have gorilla Steve. And they're like... Congratulations on getting through training. It only gets hard from here because of because there's a war to fight and we need every Steve Rogers we can get. And so it's a bunch of all the Steves at the Avengers Forever compound. This is kind of the training that they go through to like inspire them to inspire others and be Captain America for the Avengers. I don't know. Okay. I feel so like Steve we- Rogers of all people would be like, there's nothing special about you have to be Steve Rogers to do this. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, <laughs> like, I feel like Steve Rogers would not be recruiting other Steve Rogers as he would be recruiting just anybody who is cool and wants to put up a fight. Yeah, I agree. So like, like so- leave, leave, leave the, leave the council of me to the egotists. You can have a council of reeds. You can have a council of dooms. You can have a council of Tony Starks, you know, Council of Steve Rogers. That just doesn't fit. I hear you. Anyway. Um, so Deflock says, you know, I'm detecting Steve Rogers energy on Earth 49978. Local records show he has never lifted his shield. Instead, he became a drifter who was actually caught in a gamma bomb explosion. Oh, no. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, we have an army to build. And then uh, the next issue is Thor's after the whole entry into introduction of like the hammer worthiness thing he gets greeted by the thunderer of kunlun and he brings him to kunlun and we see that kunlun was also devastated by the masters of evil of course um they're evil they're they're they're, they're (laughs) pretty good at being evil so he trains them so he offers to train him because the one door that they didn't destroy is the the door into uh where Shao Lao lives. Okay. And so Thunder is like, I got you. And so Thor starts doing the kung fu, just continually punching the same thing consistently. Right. And so he's he's just punching the me the floating Mjolnir that's been hanging out behind him the whole time. <laughs> okay. And then 30 days of punching Mjolnir, his Hand stopped bleeding. Uh-huh. Um, and then it started avoiding his attacks. It started like moving. Huh. And then another 30 days after that, Mjolnir started attacking back. Okay. Uh, so he's it's making him worthy of it by fighting him. Yeah. And then it, Interesting. it just gives you this opportunity to have this giant like look. And then it falls to the ground and the thunderer is like, you've beaten it, broken the hammer spirit, the wild stallion, not ready for a saddle. After all these times, those times you trained and failed. Now that it finally lies humbled at your feet, will you claim it? Will you lift your hammer? And Thor says, no. And thunder right. says, good. And then now thunderer fights Thor. 
and he's like, uh, I am your, I'm your final, final trial, thunder versus thunder God. And Thor's like, I told you not to call me that. And he punches him through from, from the mountaintop there on directly into the door that was blocking, blocking in Shao Lao. And then comes to find out that Shao Lao is also dead. And the thunder was just a spirit of his, of the last thunderer and the statue that was all there for whatever reason. So he's not to become the Iron Fist, but sure. he is now for the God of Fists. <laughs> um, and if, if, Save it if for he Electra. visits Matt, yeah. if he visits Matt in 616. <laughs> anyway, and then so he leaves Kunlun. He's like, all right, it's time to go. And then Mjolnir follows behind him and it crackles. And apparently they can talk now. And so Thor is like, yeah, you can come with me. Just don't get in my way. And then that's where the all writer rolls up. And Tony Stark, Iron Ant-Man is just like, hey, you want to, you looking for a ride? I got you. And then <laughs> the last one is, sorry, second to last one is Carol Danvers. And she they go into this whole thing about Carol that that she's always dreamed about flying. That's her sure. thing. That's her like, characteristic because she's meant to fly. Yeah. And you get introduced to the Carol of this earth that she's been chained to the ground. Oh, she has a ball and chain. And in this world, nothing is allowed to fly. It is a world of flash dance, but uh but also oh my God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the the dark phoenix has this world and anything that flies there's a whole bunch of like aristocrats that like to go and shoot them for game okay uh, and then whatever they shoot carol is told to go and uh retrieve for them she's yeah. she's the hound dog basically she's yeah so flying is not allowed and so every time a bird goes up they get to shoot it down Carol's been trying to, so she spends the entire issue trying to jump, like putting the ball, giant ball and chain on her back and just jumps. Okay. And, and, and that's like her thing. She keeps on trying, keeps on trying, just never works. She rebels and yada, yada, yada. She finds, uh, on one of the hunt days, she finds a nest of little birds that she brings back with her. Somehow she brings them back to her little hole that she lives in. They start to fly uh, when they're old enough. And she's like, no, don't. And she crawls out of the her hole and the guys are starting to shoot it. And so she defends them and starts attacking them. And then sure. Um, and then in one of the one of the shots that one of the guys fired, it knocks off her shackles. She's like, wait a second. And then she tries flying again and turns out that all of her jumping training has made her be able to like Hulk jump. Okay. And basically gets away immediately um and then as, and it feels like she's flying and she's so happy and then she's like wait i gotta take out these guys so she comes back and messes them up and and burns down the whole like village that she comes from and then she tries fly jumping again and she jumps up past the clouds and hits and lands on a giant helicarrier <laughs> full of Cap of Carol Danvers's. Oh and they're like, God. oh shit, okay. you made it on your own. We're about to come get you. <laughs> and uh this, these carols, these omniversal carols seem like the most varied of the characters of the Avengers that we end, end up getting. Really? Because like, you had a gorilla Steve and a werewolf Steve. 
and a cartoon, Steve. Okay, I guess there's that. But like, <laughs> so we've, basically, it's like we've got like a, a a flying gunslinger Carol. We have a Shatterstar Carol. We okay, have like your typical army Carol. But then you also have this like cyborg like, Carol, cyborg Nick Fury type Carol. There's a okay. there's a caveman Carol. Also varying ages because this is an old Carol. Um, sure. Because it's so. This is the Carol Core. The last time we saw Carol Core was in um, Secret Wars side side book on in Battle Worlds, and because it's Jason Aaron, they're not on the Helicarrier, and it can't be the All Carrier because that's weird. But this is NorCal. They're on that. Oh God, the the Helicarrier. No, I see where you're going. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, so that's been recruited, and the all writer Robbie is like, we there's one thing missing, and, and Ant Man's confused. Tony Stark, Ant Man's confused. Is like, what are you talking about? We've got the Star Panther, the strongest, the strongest Black Panther who's ever lived. We got the angriest, punchiest Thor, the God of Fists. We have our Howling Commandos, our army, an all Steve Rogers army. And we have the most badass Air Force the multiverse has ever seen in the form of the Carol Corps. What are you talking about? We're fucking, we're, we're strapped. They're like, no, we need, we need the best Tony Stark. And so basically, concept, they're going conceptually for the best versions of every character. Right. At least that's what they're like making it sound like. And right. so like, it's kind of interesting because Thor and T'Challa, there's only one character that's the best. But with, right. But with Cap and it's the whole Cap, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For Cap America and Captain Marvel, it's yeah. the like their strength is their numbers and like, right. what they can do or be. I don't know. It is one of those things where the Jason Aaron idea is there, but it just did not execute. Yeah, like <sighs> okay. Yeah. Do you think they're going to recruit anybody out of six one six to be part of the Omniversal Avengers? And if so, who would you choose? Who is their best self in 616? Well, that's that's what completely negates the whole concordance engine thing from Defenders. Right. But um, it has been proven multiple times that Peter Parker 616 oh, is yeah. the most natural leader, best Spider-Man. Yeah. But that's because he has his own Spider-Verse thing. Yeah. Okay. That I think if you were to choose anybody from 616, it would definitely be. You're right. Yeah. But then, but also, this is Robbie Reyes, 616. Oh, okay. The all writer. <laughs> right. Because his feats have gone beyond <laughs> what the other ghostwriters have done. And, and it's, it's more So all the other like, ghostwriters just kind of suck. Well, it's like, it has been argued that Johnny Blaze is the best, is the strongest ghostwriter. Sure. But so the idea of what Robbie Reyes' ghostwriter is, is he's the all writer. So anything he touches becomes his ride. Yeah. And so like that approach to the spirit <laughs> of vengeance is different than right. what Johnny Blaze has ever done. And right. so as when it comes to overall power, I think Johnny is still the <laughs> He's the best ghostwriter because he rides the most things. <laughs> right? So, so Robbie, like, so... It's tautological in, at this point. 
Yeah, in an, in a scene in I think the first volume of Avengers Forever, he made the null symbiote his ride. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you should, all this does is make the null symbiote less cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so the the Tony. So conceptually, one of the things that I re- that I did like about the Tony Stark issue is there's like no, no like mentally stable Tony Stark out there. <laughs> like they all have okay. lost either publicly to public demons or personal demons. Interesting. The first Tony Stark they're going after is like in the middle of demon in a bottle. And okay, yeah. he's trying to fly away and they're like, and Tony Stark Ant-Man is like, no, like do you need to not be flying right now? And then he crashes yeah. and explodes. Yeah. And so they're like, well, damn. So we missed out on that one. So let's go to the next Earth. And then in the next one, uh, it's kind of like an old West slash Mad Max Earth. And this Tony was burned at the cross, burned at a stake for for his inventions. Like okay. he he was creating too yeah. much stuff and people thought he was a witch. And so they burned him at a stake. And then the next one they go to was too big to fit on any planet. He transferred <laughs> transferred his mind into a robot body too big to fit on any planet. So he oh just God. drifts through space, guzzling gas giants like leaders of gin. And so like it's so just, it's, it's Tony Galactus, basically. Yeah. And he's literally just like he grabbed this planet, this like Saturn-like planet, and just yeah. ate it. Cause why not? Yeah. And so though and and he says who gives a damn about the earth? Uh-huh. And and there's this whole thing that you get this like inner monologue from the Tony Stark Ant-Man. And, and basically it's like this idea of flying so that you can basically, you, he, he wants to stand on, he's, he wants to stand where no one can hate him or judge him. Okay. And so he wants to, he wanted to, fly above the clouds where there would be nobody to look down on him kind of a thing. Like yeah. it, it, it was, it was almost a really good character like dive. Character study of, of Tony mm-hmm. Stark. It just didn't entirely play out. Anyway, the next mm. Tony that they go to is one that never left the cave. Um, oh, and he's obsessed with, he can't leave until he makes the perfect armor. And so he keeps on going through iteration after iteration after iteration. And the guards of the cave have been dead for more than 10 years. <laughs> and he's still just stuck in his cave. Um, Interesting. Being like, I can't leave until it's perfect. Can't leave until it's yeah. perfect. And he's just like obsessive there. And then the next one he meets, he meets an old man that ran a repair shop. And that inspired. And he's just in such good mood. In such a good mood. And then uh, he inspired Tony Stark Ant-Man to give up drinking. And then he does. And after that, he goes and recruits Cave Iron Man. Because he he's interesting. He knows that he that this is the best version. But oh, sorry. Yeah. So they say in this like 
cut scene, basically. So we find at least 30 Tonys who use their suits of armor as robot bartenders, another two dozen who flew into the sun, whether on purpose or by accident, who knows, around 50 in catatonic states, and more than I could even count who'd gone stark raving mad. God, did I just make a pun? Clearly, I'm the worst of the lot. But then again, there's also this guy, and it's just the cave guy. He's like, yeah, well, what about these suits you've already built? He's like, none of them are perfect, has to be perfect or it won't work. Catchers will kill me. I'll never see the future, the one in my dreams. I really want to see the future. Just have to build the perfect suit. Just have to make it perfect in every way. Can't try until then. Can't risk it. Just wait until it's perfect. Tomorrow. Probably tomorrow. Yeah. So he goes and recruits him. And then. That doesn't sound like the best Tony. It's not. It's. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like. Yeah. So he recruits him. And he has like a. All Tony AA group on the Omnicarrier. Um, (laughs) Okay. And he's like, hi, everybody. I'm Ant-Man. I'm a, I'm a Tony Stark. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Do you want to take, thank everyone for coming. I brought a new friend along this time. This is his first day out of the cave. You want to say something, everybody, but believe me. Oh, yeah. And they're all like, hi, Tony. Welcome. And, and Mr. Too Big to Fit on a Planet Tony is there. It's just so chilling. Yeah. They, that worked for them, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The last issue is about Robbie Reyes losing a sense of self to the all rider to all the um, things he can ride. He's just, <laughs> I can ride too many things. I don't know who I am anymore. He confronts the doom above all dooms and he was going to win by giving in completely to the all rider and completely forgetting who Robbie Reyes is, but then Deathlock and Ant-Man get involved. Sure. And stop him. And they're, approach to dealing with doom above all dooms is to hit him with some with some with some pin particles and shrink him down into nothingness <laughs> um, the doom below all dooms <laughs> yeah so <laughs> in in the middle of doing that the rest of the masters of evil show up and so they have to retreat deathlock fights fights them off while tony ant-man and robbie reyes get away in the hell charger and Little one inch doom flies through Deathlock's head and takes him out. Okay. Um, I feel like you uh, wouldn't have to, like, you just have to shrink doom by about six inches or so. Just give him, give him an inferiority complex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it would have been nice. And then that's the end. And it says to be to be continued in Avengers Assemble. So Avengers Forever, two volumes is. The recruitment drive for the Omniversal, okay. the Ultimate Avengers, and then I guess, uh, and then the next will be Avengers Assemble. And I don't know. That seems kind of backwards. The recruitment should be called Assemble. Avengers Forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's kind of all over the place. Okay, it wasn't amazing, but it is what it is. Okay, I'm sorry. That's a bummer. You always want books yeah. to be good. You never want to. You don't, never want to spend your time reading bad comics, except I guess it's annoying because, like, I held on to the first Avengers Forever volume in case it ended up being a series that I should go on the recommendation shelf. Right. It 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 doesn't need to go on the recommendation shelf. Yeah, because like you know, a, a high profile <laughs> writer setting up taking his time for a big long run on a high profile book like Avengers, like yeah, there's a. You 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 want to keep yourself open to something good happening yeah. here. Well, because his Avengers run is on my shelf. Yeah. And I was like, 
how connected is this going to be to where he's going with Avengers? And like, right. it might end up being connected, but it doesn't feel like it. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's bothersome. But whatever. Next week, hopefully, it'll be better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, well, so so let's let's do your let's do your stuff. Okay. So, like I said, I've got Generation X. I've got X Man. I've got X Force. Yeah. So Generation X where we last left them, they were kind of like, they were finally like getting out and doing missions. They weren't at the school anymore. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it was Jubilee, M, Husk, Chamber, and Skin. I think that was the whole team that was left. Something had happened to Sync, and they were all very sad about it. And they weren't at the school anymore. So now we get sort of the flashback. Emma Frost's sister, Adrienne, who was kind of the the main villain for the tail end of the book before the six month jump. And they like finally beat her, but she's just kind of off at the London hellfire club, licking her wounds and hooking up with random men and putting them in comas as one does like a real sickness. Yeah. Yeah. So she decides to return to the school for revenge on Emma and on the threatens to out the kids as, and the school is being like a, a mutant, you know, superhero training ground, which would not be a good thing for the world to find out about because they have, they take on uh human, they have human uh, pupils at this time, human students. It's like, so it's a small minority of the student body are the generation Xers. Yeah. So Monet and uh, Everett, so sinks around and Monet and Sink, after sharing their first kiss when she left the school right before this the six-month gap, uh, they're now a couple, and she's back at the school. And some human students at the school suspect that all the weird, nerdy kids, but mostly just the Generation X members, are mutants. So they start with, like, bullying you know, the weird kids in school. And then when the generation X kids stick up for them, like, what are you mean to? And quickly escalates to just full on hate crimes. And they like set Jubilee's dorm room on fire. She loses the only pictures she had of her parents, et cetera. They go to, you know, every time something comes up, they go to Sean and Emma and their response is to just be like, listen, we can't provoke. We can't confront like, you know, we're going to ground you guys to your rooms. Like, let's let's keep a, a lid on this. And they complain it's not fair, blah, 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 blah. Turns out Adrienne is psychically influencing all of this. Uh, the human kids' parents arrive and there's an all-out riot. And Adrienne sets bombs all over the school. And Sean and, and most of the students, are they're kind of all split up and Sean's trying to defuse bombs and sinks like I can do it too and can't get to the last one in time. So lays down on it to prevent collateral damage and is killed. Oh shit. And that's how sink died. Wow. Yeah. Emma shoots Adrienne dead with a gun, just straight up pulls a gun and shoots her. And (laughs) yeah, you'd think, you'd think she would have just like shut her brain down, shut her brain off. I think it's like the whole like family members, mutant powers, not working on each oh, other. Thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, brutal. It It's done off panel, but I think it's more out of like avoiding gore than to imply that Adrienne is still alive. Also, because I don't oh. think she's reappeared in a comic sense. <laughs> um, yeah, they haven't brought her back either. 
On Kirkhoff? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Seriously. Or Cordelia. We've got two out of four Frosts operating right now. Actually, I don't know what's up with Cordelia. But anyway, by this point, the school's basically gone, like destroyed. And Sean says, it's time to get serious about your training. Let's get you out into the world, like training you to do real missions and all of that. So that gets us to the, um, you know, the post six month gap status quo that we were introduced in the last arc. Oh, and this arc is called Come On, Die Young, which Aww. fitting, I suppose. I know. Mm-hmm. So that's that's Generation X. X-Man, also issues 67 through 70. It's called Infinities of Evil, the arc. And this is this is kind of the one where Warren Ellis and his co-writers are are taking the most liberties because they had the least to work from. <laughs> <laughs> well, so are you saying there's not anything you can pull from X-Man's history? <laughs> as a literal baby yeah (laughs) yeah so so they just kind of like completely overwrote the entire thing and and now it's like a a a pretty straightforward like sci-fi slash superpower story uh dealing with alternate realities and in the last story arc uh so it introduced the concept, which is not reflected in, you know, the Marvel cosmology anywhere else, but it's perfectly fine by me. Just more emphasizes the point that this is completely outside of anything that's going on in Marvel, right? We're just <laughs> completely sidelining Nate Gray here. And so we introduced this concept that alternate dimensions don't just have like a, like a, they're not just parallel in terms of like what could have happened given similar circumstances on other earths but it's what they describe as like a double helix structure and it goes up and down in a spiral and so you have in the first arc we are introduced to this character who was from one of the lower realities that was not meant to sustain life and comes up to 616 to have its revenge on these uh this mutant hive mind who basically kidnapped a generation of of the young from that reality sorry alarms going off it's my cat's dinner time din din six ten rachel's got it for everybody listening out there rachel's taking care of it don't worry uh <laughs> cat, not cat's getting fed. your cat for the yeah yeah, the podcast. yeah right yeah <laughs> everybody say hi to bart so yeah there was this evil hive mind of, or they weren't really presented as evil, just like in, in like the classic mustache twirling way. They're just like introduced in in self-interested. They're a, a mutant hive mind of explorers who kidnap the an entire generation of the young of this down spiral alternate earth and basically to make money. And it's you know, probably going to lead to the extinction of the species on that, on that reality. And they don't care. And so Nate Gray takes the hive mind to that lower reality for, for them to have their own justice on, on them, however they see fit. So that is the status quo after the six month gap, right? So now we have to figure out and, and Nate Gray is like, He's walking around shirtless. He's calling himself the human, sh- uh, the the mutant shaman. He's got this big tattoo, mm. right, of an X on his pectoral. He's got a shaved head. Like all of these things are are 
extremely different from the the concept of Nate Gray that we've gotten used to for the first 66 issues. And so we're like, well, that's a big change. What happened? So this fills it in, right? We've been getting sort of like flashes of other Earths through this. So we're getting, and in the first one, we got a flash of the Earth that we'll spend most of our time in in this story. So that's, I won't really go into that yet, but um, the at the beginning of this, we we get a a flash of an up spiral Earth. Where, where they call it the the brilliant city and it's a bunch of everyone there you know they 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 float barefoot their feet don't touch the ground and there's a impassioned plea between two characters and one of them like leaps off of the the brilliant city implying that they're traveling down spiral for something which is you know scary verboten crazy they're risking their purity et cetera et cetera so so that's something to keep an eye on for future arcs, but it is not going to come up again here. So we're flashing back to sort of the, the, you know, the status quo of Nate Gray, just kind of like wandering the earth, sulking at, you know, his favorite activity. And he's asleep and he has a dream that he has destroyed Quito, the city of Quito, Ecuador. And he wakes up in Buenos Aires and He's naked in bed and he's like, Maddie, I had a dream. And she walks in and like, a, a, I'm not very well familiar with these terms, like a teddy or a negligee or some sort of like, you know, underwear type thing that she's wearing. So I don't know how strongly it's implied that they're boning, probably fairly strongly. Yeah, It's weird because she's kind of his mom and not like really, but kind of. She's she's the clone of his, you know, maternal gene donor. Oh, right. Except except she's also a psychic manifestation of, you know, that clone that he created whole cloth when he entered into reality. But it turns out she's not even that either. Sorry, you've got a face. We want to unpack some things before I well, barrel because, forward here. Because he was he was test tube created in AOA. In the Age of Apocalypse, yes. From and the genes of Cyclops, Cyclops and, Jean Grey. and Jean. And Malin Pryor is a clone of Jean Grey. Right. Yeah. But she's not involved in this, in, in his creation. There's no Madeline Pryor no. in Age of Apocalypse. Correct. Right. And then he is one of the four characters that jumped from AOA to 616. Correct. And then, so Maddie. So when he, as soon as he like booped up on 616, one of the first things he did is he subconsciously connected with the psychic ghost of Madeline Pryor and created a new Madeline Pryor, essentially. Oh. And and she's been his ally for the entire run. Right? She killed Threnody. Right. She did yeah, or not ally yeah. necessarily, but she's been around. She's been involved. Mm-hmm. And you know, very manipulative and blah 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 blah. Well, so it turns out 
one, it turns out that Nate Gray did. Act, it, he's 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 convinced that he actually destroyed Keto, that this wasn't just a dream. Turns out that's correct. He, okay. he was being manipulated by Maddie. She has control of his powers, essentially. Second, it turns out that this isn't the Maddie that he created. That Maddie from somewhere else in the multiverse usurped, came in, replaced the Maddie that he created at some point sometime back and has been okay. influencing him to do crazy things. She's, she secret invasioned him. It also turns out uh. <laughs> that it's not a Maddie at all. It's that this isn't the Maddie that they thought. I'm gonna get to that in a sec. So they get so so Maddie's like quote unquote Maddie's like, hey, so I'm not the Maddie that you created. I I'm from another alternate reality. I replaced her sometime back. I've been manipulating you, and it's time to take you to my home reality, which is Earth 998. And she is basically, she's the queen of the British Empire, which is, it controls the entire world except for Asia. And they're in a forever war with Asia, but, you know, starting to turn the tides, blah, 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 blah. She's got this um, bodyguard named Mr. Scratch, who's like bald with a giant scar running down his face. And we later learned that he was, Basically, he says he says at at one point a Canadian assassin, so Wolverine, obviously uh-huh. <laughs> stabbed my brain. It stabbed my brain, and I exist in a state of unrelenting rage. No, and I no longer understand pity. And his mutant power is that he's immune to mutant powers. <laughs> Warren, in, in in okay, we're gonna get some really we're gonna get some really cheeky mutant powers here. Just brace yourself because the one in X Forest is even weirder. We're just we're just work on so many levels. <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna let this go for a sec. Sure. But you know, he he's got this sort of like calm psychopath thing going, which is uh you know unnerving and blah 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 blah. She's so he's the bodyguard to this Maddie on this Earth 998. And apparently she's been farming Nate Grays from all over the multiverse to, to find the right one for blah, 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 right? And she's, she delivers lines like, a Nate Gray does not create, a Nate Gray destroys. And she has just like full control over his powers. She uses him, his, she just like accesses his powers to kill a spy that's brought in front of her, etc. Wow. Um, yeah. So he, he escapes the palace, which is like, three hallways three kilometers long like gigantic (laughs) sort of place right he goes out he's he's psychically drawn somewhere he can't just kind of like a beacon and he goes to it he meets another nate gray it's the nate gray from this reality that he's been brought to and this nate gray has the shaved head has the chest tattoo all of the things from the appearance of of Nate Gray in you know the after the time jump and so we learn some of these things like the spiral the spiral of of alternate earths right they say it's a double helix it's it's the the shape of life itself what code what could the code mean and what unimaginable being could we be a part of so I I kind of like the idea that entire 
Earth's entire realities are just like the DNA specific, specific, yeah, uh, <laughs> d- uh, specific genomes within the DNA strand of a much larger something. It's, yeah, that would have been it, interesting. It's 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 a it's an interesting concept. You probably can't do much with it, but it's a cool one to just bring up and poke <laughs> at and be like, ah, ah, get really stoned and, and think about. Yeah. <laughs> so the other Nate Gray is like, so I'm insane, but I put my madness to like I'm I'm broken as a Nate Gray. Like they bring a lot here. They're all defective or fucked up in some way. I was the first, and I'm insane. <laughs> it doesn't work for me. But I put my madness to work as a shaman. He defines this as like a shaman is supposed to stay apart from the tribe, risk ourselves to create balance for everybody else. And he means a literal shaman to a literal like village that he lives nearby. Mm -hmm. And he brings, (laughs) you know, our Nate Gray or AOA Nate Gray or whatever, brings him to forge that reality's forge who's been assassinated by Maddie and he's dead and he's shackled up, but they can apparently use telepathy to like jumble the neurons, start them, like kickstart them moving again, and then use telepathy to like get the jaw and tongue moving enough so that he can talk. And so they talk. Oh, yeah. It's like a meat puppet. Yes. Oh, okay. Great punk band, by the way. But anyway, uh, so they're they're speaking to Dead Forge, and they're like, "So what's your name?" No, I'm just kidding. They don't say that. Oh, oh, I <laughs> thought you were gonna jump into being like, "Well, I'm shop, I'm a shaman," or just. <laughs> oh. So this is the part that's interesting to me that's never explored in this, which is a huge bummer. But like, Forge was a shaman, right? He was, yeah. and and Forge in AOA was the was Nate Gray's father figure basically raised him in that theater troupe and now nate gray is a shaman and they never quite go back to connect the dots and be Aww. like i know it's one of, <laughs> and it's like <laughs> i don't know is is that like is that like a lack of research or like understanding or is that just like oh we don't need it <laughs> i don't know so warren ellis just openly despises superhero comics at this point <laughs> like so it this is actually a really fascinating point in his career like right because he did excalibur at marvel it was one of his first american uh, jo- one of his first jobs in american comics and you know he was he was kind of writing it not much like a traditional superhero comic like it was much deeper into like story arcs and structure and uh, kind of like interested in doing like a, a more like prestige TV in the way it builds up to something than like these long dangling plot threads of, of like Claremont esque Marvel. And so the fans hated it. He got, he got the boot, you know, he, he lasted a good 20, 20, 30 issues, something like that, but he got the boot. And just endlessly jerked around to be part of crossover after crossover, et cetera. So it was kind of like, all right. But he had, I, I read interviews with him and he's like, I had to do so much research <laughs> to like, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't read 
superhero comics at all growing up. That wasn't what he was mm-hmm. interested in. He just like he he loves comics. He you know is a writer. He was taking jobs, writing jobs in comics, and you know the places that that largely were hiring people to write comics were superhero comics. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to learn this genre and I'm going to learn it inside and out. And so after he leaves Marvel, he goes to Wildstorm and he does Planetary and he does Stormwatch and turns yeah. it into the authority and just like completely upends superhero. Like that is like yeah. the when people talk about like what are the landmark books that like changed superhero comics in in like the 2000s it's like the authority and like you know brian michael bendis like those are like the most influential (laughs) like warren ellis and brian michael bendis are like the most influential creators in mainstream comics in this time period Mm -hmm. and and so he's he's done this right and it's like a huge success, like takes the industry by storm. Like everyone's like, oh my God, the fucking authority, right? And now Marvel wants it back after just shit canning him. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, we'll give you a third of the entire X-Men line. Like go nuts. You don't even have to write it. You're co-writing. Just be be the creative lead on this. Like be one third of head of X. I think his disdain... <laughs> for superhero comics is definitely still there and i don't but like so he's he's done all of the research it may have been at some point like yes x-man shaman forge this makes sense but it just never quite like went through i could see that being a thing i could see him having done the research but i could also see him just not caring enough (laughs) about yeah that checks out yeah. That. So anyway, um, yeah, taking advantage of the fact that we're on a tangent. Yeah, um, absolutely. I wonder how many Nate Grays there are compared to how many Nathan Summerses there are. It's a great point because it's a real. The and same this is not some character. Kind of conceptually. Yeah. <laughs> conceptually. <laughs> and it's right it's, uh, like we don't have a 616 Nate Gray. Right. And yeah, what are what are the this like is is does every Nate Gray come from an age of apocalypse like reality? Or is this or are there other circumstances that are responsible for the creation of other Nate Grays? That never really comes up here. Which is fine okay. because Nate Gray is a terrible character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just I, I, it, while you're and we, and explaining yeah, and this, so we're most we're mostly just going way more generic sci-fi here than like anything yeah. that's particularly like crucial to Nate Gray. And so, just made me uh, think. yeah, totally. So we get some backstory on this Earth nine nine eight. Turns out that Queen Maddie ruled the British Empire. At the end of the 19th century. So we're going like Victorian. Like basically. Yeah. And then she died. The only way we can get Madeline to wear more than a bikini. Is if (laughs) if she's set in the Victorian era. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. It's true. 
<laughs> so yeah, so she dies and it's and she's like, you know, responsible for this gigantic increase. She's like the the greatest emperor in the history of the British Empire and responsible for such a grandiose, you know, expansion and then the and you know, after her death the empire fractures and there are all these rumors of like, well, she's going to rise again. She's going to be reborn. She's coming back. And eventually she does. But it turns out that that's not actually Maddie reborn, but somebody from another world. And it's also not even a Maddie from another world. It's a Jean Grey. (laughs) (laughs) What? Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. right. And they're they're delivering lines like a Jean Grey is, is, you know, rapacious hunger without limit you know and and desire and and fire and all this stuff so like that's kind of interesting we're we're talking full dark phoenix shit here right yeah um so that's cool it's also you know we're we're just playing with our food here now which is fine we're having a good time so scratch finally like bears down on the two Nate Grays who are just like hanging out together and because their powers don't work on him and he he still wants to like kidnap our Nate because he is the more perfect vessel or has a chance to be for something something become Gene slash Maddie's ultimate weapon. Since their powers don't work on each other, they do a switcheroo and they merge merge themselves with each other and swap appearances and some measure of their psyche. And so the 998, the this reality's Nate Gray, looks like 616, and he's brought to Maddie and then, like, you know, brings the, oh, no, it was the wrong one. Our powers, the plans have been foiled, blah, 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 right? And 616, Nate Gray, returns to 616, but now he looks like this alternate reality, Nate Gray. So he's got the 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 pectoral tattoo and he's thinks he's a shaman and blah 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 and so that's how we get to the status quo and so yeah so the the all reality nate gray destroys gene and we're all good all right (laughs) (laughs) so we're two for two on the first story or i guess the second story post six month jump Explaining the six month jump. No, that's what I was saying. This, all of this, all three of these are doing that. Oh, 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 oh. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're called like shockwave as like th- this, this is kind of like advertised to be so. Like, mm. um, yeah. And notably, actually, it's only Warren, it's only these counter X, the Warren Ellis titles that ever bother explaining what happened during the six month gap the claremont revolution titles never even try claremont loves his dangling plot threads these will dangle forever we as readers still don't know what happened it's fine man okay one thing i will say in defense quote-unquote defense of x-man yeah especially after this story yeah he's the catalyst to such so many conceptual conversations. Mm. <laughs> like okay. he, he is he's like a Marvel icebreaker. 
I can't think of I would a say conversation <laughs> to have spawning from X-Man. You don't get comics. <laughs> I would say he's more of the iceberg. Like he's going to sink your fucking ship. <laughs> but like, it's just, there's so much off, like not great about him and his origin, but like yeah. the way he, his stories and his character connects to core essence essential characters in marvel not even just 616 but just marvel in general (laughs) (laughs) just makes it really interesting and like how how you can talk about what nate does or goes through totally it's very all right x-force shall i bring it home bring it home okay x-force 106 through 109 titled murder ballads and so at the end, uh, this is actually more of a like back and forth in terms of what happened during the six month gap. Like we get some flashbacks, but it's also largely set after the six month gap. And so the status quo that we got was that the X-Force team is working with Pete Wisdom and that, you know, they've kind of for a long time thought like, you know, we're, we're sort of the proactive wing of the, the X-Men dream. You know, we're going out to stop threats before they become apparent and that we're going to sort of like work on the margins of things and, and kind of that that's mostly been ignored because it was largely just a way to to have it be have them be like like the X Men except more nineties extreme right and full Rob Rob Liefeld effect et cetera et cetera, mm-hmm. but that technically was the original idea of what X Force was supposed to be, and so Warren's like, oh, let's have them do that, and what what does this mean? This means kind of like working in sort of the underbelly spy craft you know, black ops sort of world. Not that they're necessarily black ops themselves. They're not like a kill squad or anything, but they're living in the intelligence community and in the sort of like secret world that most people don't know about and going about their business, trying to take care of threats proactively. And so at the end, so they like diffused this or or dealt with this uh, like, thing that like mutated half of San Francisco and basically turned half of San Francisco into monsters that wanted to murder regular humans just to simulate an all out race war between mutants and humans that was like forgotten and buried from cold war times or whatever. Right. So that was their first mission. And at the end of it, Pete Wisdom, their new mentor, was killed. And so this story arc, we open on Pete's funeral. And they're pissed off that like all the other ex folks didn't show up to his funeral. Like not even Kitty Pride, who was, you know, an uh an item. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The less the less mention of that, the better. But yeah, his his ex-girlfriend, uh, you know, and just Everyone who, when he was a member of Excalibur, his former teammates, none of them show up to the funeral and they're, and they're like, well, you know, fuck all these 
heroes, but also I guess it goes to show that like when you live in this sort of underworld, you don't really like you are cutting yourself off from the world. You will not be remembered. You will not be known and you will live a lonely life and die a lonely death. And this is kind of the life that we're all setting ourselves up for. And at the funeral, who does show up, who they do meet, is Pete's sister, Romany Wisdom. And she kind of fades to the background for most of this, but she'll show up at the end. And we start to get sort of like flashbacks, views into the six-month gap. So after the power shut off from the high evolutionary, that whole thing, and like it was very dangerous, like Cannibal was flying over the bay and almost died, et cetera, et cetera. So... Dom is working, Domino is working them out. And she's like, you have to be more capable without your powers. You rely on them too much. And Sam and Jesse were like, well, we agree. And that's why we contacted Pete Wisdom in order to like be basically like feed us missions and to help us be really proactive and start making a difference. And Domino's like, this isn't a path you want to go down. Like step back now. And so she drops out. So does Danny Moonstar. She's like, I don't want to be a part of this. Because mostly what X-Force has been for the last, you know, run, lengthy run, last 40 issues or so, had been a young adult story. And not a teen story like Generation X was sort of like at school, but like young, you know, early 20s finding their way in the world as their own people, et cetera, et cetera. And it was a really good run, but Danny doesn't really fit, fit that well, doesn't fit into this. So she's out of the team. Domino's out of the team and back to the present. We learned So Domino shows up to the team after the funeral also. And she tells them she, she had this mercenary job go wrong. She's been marked for death by this guy named Marcus uh, Tsung, who you're ready for an, our, our second ridiculous mutant power of the day. He has the mutant gene for murder. He can just look at you and it's like a, uh, and you can either die from just him looking at you or he can like create like air bullets, essentially just like explosive, you know, like force out of nothing that just like, so he like blew a hole in Domino's spine, essentially left her for dead but then she yeah but then she didn't die she a little while later she you know woke back up perfectly fine perfectly healed even like all a bunch of like scars from old wound you know unrelated old wounds that she'd had had been completely restored and instead she had this weird device like kind of metallic looking growing in in her like back and and shoulder where she'd been like mutant murder shot by tongue hmm. really weird and mm-hmm. and so it turns out it, we, we kind of learn through the process of it that the reason that she was marked for death by Tsung and whoever hired him is because of this thing and that she'd had it before. She doesn't know how long she doesn't know where it came from, et cetera, but it revived her for some reason. And it is a point of contention, controversy, scariness. We don't know what it is. 
And then we kind of go through some more flashbacks during the six month gap. How, uh, oh, weird application of, of, so everyone basically got new skills on their level up during the six month gap, right? Boom Boom knows how to hack now. She's, she's a hacker. Cannonball is like a more like, uh, he's an assertive and, and self-assured team leader. And James Proudstar, he can fly. Which is very so we we go you know we get the the flashback to the the sort of montage sequence where where he Pete Wisdom's like you know you you can fly you know you you got you got to stop holding yourself back and we're in this sort of danger room thing and it, it, you know he's like I can't do it and he's like yes you can and then he does it notably every single other creator who's ever written James Warpath, uh, James Proudstar sense has ignored this completely, but it's also well, very funny. He, fl- he flies in rise and fall of the Shi'ar empire. He does. I don't remember that. Yeah. And he says he doesn't like it. Like <laughs> he's bad at it. And so he doesn't fly often. Interesting. Huh? It's also kind of funny to me that in X-Force, they did the exact same thing with Bobby DaCosta with Sunspot. Because in New Mutants, his initial powers was only super strength. That's all he had. And they're like, <laughs> Cable is like, no, no, no. You need to, you need to learn all the different ways that you can, you know, channel your solar energy, blah, blah, blah. And so they had him start flying. They had him start shooting, you know, being all shooty with his blasts and all that. Mm-hmm. So and it's just funny that it's the exact same power set expansion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But anyway, yeah. so yeah, they're, they're, Domino's got this device in her and they're like, what is it? And they're like, it's the thing that wiped out the dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, they go to meet these contacts of wisdoms. They are called counterculture techno-anarchists, which I'm real into. Their names are Abel, Baker, and Charlie. And they're like, yeah, this thing killed the dinosaurs. And we're like, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We have like an introductory scene for for Tsung, right? To show what a badass he is. And he's like contracted by the the US government or like brought in by the US government for something. And and he's like, Welcome, Mr. Sung. Like, it's a pleasure to have you here. And he's like, Did do these other men who are present, do they also know my name? He's like, Yes, of course. And so he just kills all of them. He just kills like an entire <laughs> like welcoming party of of uh you know just by looking at them basically and it's it's just to show like what a badass he is right and so right. anyway eventually they have this big fight and they win and you know very cool dramatic action scene etc cetera, etc cetera. and at the end of it they've got bigger problems with domino and this device, it, Domino gets taken over by this device, starts to go crazy. And then it it's not fully resolved. And they have sort of a debrief with Romani Wisdom, Pete's sister. And uh, she's like, yeah, this is uh, like, I need to tell you about Pete. <laughs> Pete was a jerk. <laughs> like, not not like, not like he was a bad guy, but like, he was, he was fucked up in the head. He was crazy. He, he like experienced a certain amount of anti-mutant prejudice and it pushed him over the edge and he doesn't he doesn't have it anymore basically oh sorry it was romany who 
basically killed Marcus' son. She she saved the team. You know, they they were fighting him to a standstill, and then she uh, had snipers posted up and and shot him and killed him. Yeah, so so Domino loses it, and they kind of like tase her, knock her out. Then they have a meeting with Romani, and she's like, "Listen." Get a life while you still can before you bury another friend or they bury you. And that is the cliffhanger for, or that's, oh. that's, so the thing with, with Domino isn't fully resolved. And Romani's like, you don't want to live this life. Get out. You're in over your head. Exactly. So that's where we are with X-Force. All of these titles I will note are nearing cancellation. So we've got like one more arc of each of them left. Damn. Yeah. And then how far away are we from New X-Men? Um, New X-Men's not, 2001? Yeah. So we're, we're... Actually, I think we're in 2001. I think we're quite close. Mm. I'll I'll look it up for you. And I'll let you know. I also might want to take a, a, a little bit of a break or something from... You know, I don't know. We'll We'll, we'll talk offline. We'll figure out reading schedule for for when that pops up i'll I'll let you know how how far out i am i haven't updated my my reading spreadsheet in a little bit okay because we've been because we've been doing only krakoa (laughs) yeah yeah oh there's a lot (laughs) (laughs) so exe is next on my pile Mm -hmm. so what what do you where where are you at desire wise for getting into destiny? Sure, I mean, I'm happy either way. I will read it no matter what. It's just a matter of, or do we do this? Basically, do I think the decision is do do we read Destiny in this sort of like, you know, Destiny Volume One, Destiny Volume Two, as we have mm-hmm. been, or do we basically? Going forward, okay. do we read Krakoa X in like individual title volumes like you would any other comic? I think we okay. Dawn, Rain, and Trials has been organized well enough that I feel like going with the Destiny organization is okay. I think it works. So okay. Destiny Volume One is only four issues. Are you saying we do a, a three for for one of these? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that works for me. I'm wondering if, yeah, so Destiny One is four issues. Destiny Two is five issues, and then Destiny Three is another five issues. I feel like we could do one through three in one go. I'm in for that. You want to do that next week? Yeah, let's do that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Because, God, you you hear to hear first, folks. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I just, I want to, I want, I I want AXE so bad. So, like, whatever whatever it takes to get my knowledge to the point where it's ready for AXE. Okay. Let's do that. So, let's do Destiny 1 through 3. All right for next week stoked okay man okay back to back to to tablet reading for me it's fine it's fine 
it's not a big deal. Even, even though, what's <laughs> funny is like, actually, I feel like most of these, the individual books are out. So like, I could just like bookmark all the books, but that's, that's the honestly, fuck. I'll figure it out. Anyway, okay. that's, that's my own problem to deal with. <laughs> it's your own cross to bear. Yeah, exactly. So next week, Destiny, one, two, three. Okay. Let's do that. Oh, Let's do man. it. Oh, cool. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. <sighs> man, Anything just, you want to say? Oh, I'm sorry. I want to find out what happens with Sabretooth, but that's not for Yeah, dude. <sighs> <laughs> Sabretooth isn't even on this list. You're right. Yeah, Sabretooth 4 or 5. I don't even know. I have no idea. Yeah. And again, these aren't official. I know. I have no. Yeah. Whatever. We're still going to do okay. Destiny. We're going to do, do French these. Destiny 1, 2, and 3. Okay. So this next podcast is going to be in French. We. Oui. I, I was about to say C. And I was like, that's not. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You're... When I was, when I was, uh, I took a little bit of French in college. I don't remember any of it, but um, my, I took Japanese in high school and my housemate was taking Japanese in college. And I was like, got to the exact point where like what I had learned of French had exactly met what I had forgotten in Japanese. And it was like perfectly matched. And so my, my housemate one day said to me, you know, Ohio, Steve, well, Genki Deska. And I said, hi, je suis Genki. <laughs> That's amazing. I mixed up not only vocab, but also grammar. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. Not going to lie. <laughs> I definitely, the one time I went, I went to TJ when I was like mm-hmm. 19. Yeah. Uh went to to a strip club and it was loud. And so I couldn't speak to the performer. And so I pulled <laughs> out my phone and tech and texted in Spanish. But like two of the words I actually wrote out in Japanese. <laughs> I don't know if she understood <laughs> what I was trying to say, but I said I um yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was one of those in retrospect. I didn't even, yeah, it was. Okay. That's, I'm not going to press for details. You can, you can talk or not talk about as much <laughs> as you that, want to hear. That's, that's, that's my only like, hey, that happened to me too about joining two languages. <laughs> but in a very different circumstance. <laughs> the circumstances really crowded out the content here. Yeah. Anyway. I'm just rambling. Anyway, um, I guess then should we put the? Uh, is there anything else you want to throw out there? No. All right. Mm-mm. Well, then let's put the outro music like here. And, Works uh, for me. We'll call it a man. Straight call it a Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Purposely been avoiding it. But uh, yeah.